If you're tired of feeling like the only way your children end up listening to you is when you yell at them, but you yearn for a better way, you know there's a better way, then you are in for a treat. If you want to open up your lines of communications stress-free, this episode is definitely for you. Welcome to the Easy Keto Podcast. Each week, join health strategist and keto coach Shyla Ann as she takes you on a journey to achieving wellness in your mind, body, and soul. In conversation with various experts, insider advice, and actionable tools are available at your fingertips so you can live an empowered life. And now, your host. Hello to you, my awesome listeners. I'm Shyla Ann. We all strive to be the best parents we can be, whether we foster, biologically have kids, or adopt our children. They are our lives. Since the first day you found out you were going to be a parent, you read all the best books and found all the latest information. We got advice from people that we trusted. You may have even safety-proofed your entire home. What can I say? We love our kids, am I right? But here's a bit of harsh truth. Even the best books are no comparison to encountering real life situations because each situation and each child is different. One in particular I know all parents struggle with in some form or another is communication. Today I'm talking with communications expert Rachel Walker from Beyond the Pond Coaching in the UK on the best ways to set up boundaries and explore attitudes for consistently enjoyable communication experiences with your child, your spouse, and even your boss. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Easy Keto Podcast. Hi, Shyla. Great to be here. It's really great for you to have me on. Thank you for coming on again. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. So tell us about yourself. What brought you to do communications work? Okay, so I've always been interested in words. I've always been fascinated by how people behave for as long as I can remember. Yeah, I, I get bored really easily, but one thing that doesn't bore me is people. People just fascinate me. And the different ways that people interact with each other um, are incredibly interesting. And even more so once I had sort of my own kids. Uh, one of the kids that I had a privilege to work with very early on uh, was a lad that was on the autism spectrum. He taught me more about how to communicate well and how to communicate consistently than I think anybody else did. I think probably more than any book I'd read or any course I'd been on or anything. Because like you've just said, it was real life situations. And you have to be very specific mm -hmm. when you're with somebody like that who's got their own sort of specific way of interacting with the world. And I think one of the times that I remember most, mm -hmm. probably one of my biggest and earliest lessons trying to get him to walk through school he used to run and obviously it's dangerous you can't have that and I can remember telling him one day don't run I thought that was pretty clear well he just started skipping mm -hmm. exactly as fast as he had been all the way down the corridor and I kind of thought hang on that's actually not him that's me I didn't tell him what I wanted him to do I told him what I didn't want him to do you can run you can jump you can skip I wanted him to walk but that's not what I said so I learned really really quickly about saying what you mean so I think the other kids that I worked with as I got further on in my career, again, were the kids that struggled with emotional regulation. So you would see all the behaviours come out. And again, it's that quality communication that let me get through to them. And I did some, I don't know if you've come across NLP, mm -hmm. Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it's about how you can mm -hmm. use language, specific techniques no. and stuff to kind of reprogram the negative thought loops you have. So I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And I did that while my kids were young. Okay. So. Okay. 
my poor little kids were just guinea pigs. They had everything thrown at them, all kinds of stuff thrown at them. But it was really beneficial to both of us because it really made my communication skills a lot better. Yeah, I really do like that story about working with kids because kids are so straightforward. <laughs> it does remind me of my younger sister, Jordan. You know, she was born with a cleft palate. And so, so growing up, she wasn't able to communicate normally. She had to use nonverbal cues. And even when she did speak, it was very sort of mumbled. We became like her translators to not only strangers, but even my parents as well, because they were always working. That's right. And it's getting into somebody's sort of inner world. What seems to be some common struggles when it comes to communication? Okay, well, I mean, so many. I think one of the big things with communication is that we all attach meaning and we attach emotion to words. And we kind of assume that everybody else has the same meaning and the same emotion attached. And of course, mm -hmm. they don't. So what we mm -hmm. say isn't necessarily what somebody else hears. So there's a quote that I really like, which says the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And I think that's something that I always try and bear in mind because mistakes are just they're just so easily made. I can remember one with my with my grandson. I made trifle, which is like, um, mm -hmm. it's a dessert, it's like a layered pudding. So at the bottom, it's got cake, but that's soaked in jelly and custard and cream and all of these good things. Mm -hmm. And he tried it, he mm -hmm. was two, and he thought it was mm -hmm. fantastic. And I took it around and I was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we've got jelly and cake for pudding. And his little face lit up and I'm thinking, oh, I'm the best grandma in the world. You know, I get all the brownie points. And so he had this pudding and he ate it all up and he loved it. And then he said, cake now, grandma. And I was like, but you've just had jelly and cake. And again, my mistake. He'd thought of them as two separate things. And I thought I'd explained it was together. So I had to do some real damage limitation on that. And it's that easy just to miscommunicate. And I think the, one of the first things, it's about that listening. So very often when, we're, when we talk to somebody and we're listening, we're actually not really listening to understand. We're listening to, to reply. So we're thinking constantly about what we're going to say next. And one of the difficulties with that is it kind of gets in the way of what we're hearing because we're concentrating on us. We're not concentrating on the other person. And also mm -hmm. sometimes we start deciding what they're going to say. So even if they do say something, it might we might miss it because we've already decided what's happening. And another thing, especially as parents, and I know I used to do it, is bottling things up. Something happens and you decide it's just not worth saying anything, I'll let it go. But it doesn't go, it kind of stays there. Then something else happens and that's on top. I used to explain it to the kids at school like an onion. So you have the one thing that happens and then something else is on top. So it's like layers of an onion. And they're quite like that because it got to the point where they'd come in and I'd say, you OK? And they'd be like, no, my onion's massive. So we'd have to look at ways of making that smaller. And one of the difficulties with bottling things up is that when you do say something, you tend to explode and overreact. And then there's all this emotional fallout. And then that also creates this kind of mm -hmm. nice little mm -hmm. negative loop. There's no point saying anything because it just ends up in a big mess. Every time I say things, it all goes wrong. And it's not the saying things that is making it go wrong. It's the fact that it's been left so the onions so big and the emotions take over everything. That's what creates the problem but that's not always the link we make. Yeah. You know, so you say, well, you, you've come in late again. You know, you, you didn't call that. I've spent ages making that. Oh, well, no wonder I'm coming late when I get this attitude. Attitude? What do you mean attitude? 
you're not talking about attitude. You were going to talk about the fact that you felt really upset that you were making this meal and this person's late. And that's what you were going to talk about. But then because you react and you just blurt out, you end up arguing about some attitude or other that's not actually relevant to what was going on. Yeah, your onion builds up so big and you have so many real emotions all bottled up that you just, once once it comes out, you're just coming out all over the place, like word vomit. Yes, exactly. Exactly like that. Word vomit. Absolutely perfect. I think another thing that really gets in the way when people communicate is this, this kind of wanting to win. There's a quote that says, winning isn't everything. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good thing in some contexts. So like in competitive sports, you know, even if you're pursuing mm-hmm. a goal that you really, really want to focus on, that could mm-hmm. be a really useful mentality. But especially with kids, if you're communicating with them and you've got this sense that you want to win, you want to come out on top every time, then if you're winning, there's got to be a loser. And who's the loser? Right, your kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what's that teaching them? It could be that they kind of learn, well, there's no point, never get heard and never get listened to. Maybe I'm a bad kid. Maybe what I'm saying isn't important. That might be one thing that they learn. Or, mm-hmm. and I've got a friend that's very like this, oh, I know how you do it. Yeah, you've got to win. doesn't matter what you do, you've got to come out on top. So then you can see all the behaviours and all this kind of stuff that you yeah. don't really want because all they're learning is the end justifies the means. No, I've got to win. I'm going to win. I know how to win. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you step on or what bridge you burn as long as you win. Yeah, Yeah, you've got to come out on top. Yeah. Finally, because I could go on forever, but I won't. The last one that I'm going to highlight is being scared of what reaction you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Now, that might be because you don't Mm -hmm. want to upset your kids and you think, oh, no, if I say that you're not going to do that, they might not like me. Or it might be that you're scared of being judged, maybe somebody else's reaction. And that leads to communication that isn't really honest. And that can really get in the way as well, because then you've got that inner conflict. Uh, That just happened to us recently, too. And it's just amazing. The kids will have so much on their mind, but they they won't say anything because they think you might react a certain way. Yeah. Now that we know what communication struggles look like, some common ones, what does healthy communication look like? Okay, well, again, loads. Firstly, check out, ask, ask questions. Don't assume you know what's going on. I can remember my mm-hmm. my daughter coming home when she was in, um, she was 10, 11, so she was in our year six, whatever grade that is for you. And she came home and she said, uh, she said, oh, mum, I've got a part in the school play. And I said, oh, great, that's brilliant, you know, and I started going on about school plays and how amazing they were and, oh, well, what, what part have you got? And, you know, is it a big part and is this, that and the other? And she said, oh, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? You know, you're nearly 11 years old. How can you not know what part you've got in your school play? And we ended up having a bit of an argument and she stomped off upstairs. And I was kind of left thinking, well, hang on, what went on there? That really didn't go according to plan at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I played it back, I hadn't really asked or checked out where she was coming from because when I thought about it, she didn't say, oh, mum, I've got a part in the school play. What she said was, oh, yeah, I've got a part in the school play. I went upstairs and I said, right, can we just rewind that and start again? I said, because that kind of went wrong. So tell me about this school play thing. And she said, oh, well, yeah, I've got a part. And I said, did you want a part? She said, no, everybody's got to have one. So I'd completely missed that because I didn't check it out. I didn't ask what her point of view was. I assumed, because she said I've got a part in the school play, 
that it, that was a good thing for her couldn't have been further from the truth to ask check stuff out check facts out if there are facts and remember that you know everybody's got a different perspective so that needs checking out that's a really healthy thing to do for any communication ask you know we're not here to be right we're here to get it right and that brings me on again to listening listening really can't be emphasized enough it's the way you get a window into somebody else's world and it's remembering to listen to what's not said as well as what is said if i'd listened to what wasn't being said in that example i've just given you i would have heard immediately that the tone of voice didn't match the words but i didn't do that so the listening mm -hmm. is really really mm -hmm. important letting go of our ego letting go of what's on in our head not judging what we hear taking it as it is and listening i think another thing is being honest and open if you feel irritated you say do you know what when you came in and you threw your clothes all over the floor and you didn't pick them up i felt really irritated by that Mm -hmm. that's not kind of saying you did that and you made me feel it's just saying you know i felt whatever it is you felt especially with little kids yeah telling them I what's statement. going on yeah i statements yeah and with little kids just letting them know what's going on they don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the day and even if you've told them they might forget like with my grandson he gets kind of a running dialogue for example he said the mm -hmm. other day could he could he watch something? Could he watch Diggers? He loves to watch Diggers. And I said, yeah, I'm just going to go and get a feed the rabbit or whatever it was I did. And then I'll come back and I'll do such and such. But I told him, I didn't just say yes in a minute. I told him what I was doing and then came back. So just letting them know because otherwise it doesn't make sense. And then they get frustrated. Yeah, that makes great sense. Another, another thing is that kind of responding. So it's a bit like on this um, podcast where we've got a bit of a delay. It's giving yourself a pause. So allowing yourself, if your child asks a question, says something like, I don't know, can can we go to the park tomorrow? You might think, well, I've got loads of stuff on tomorrow. So instead of either going yes or no straight away, just say, just hang on. Um, I'm going to anything, make something up. You know, I'm, I'm just going to put the kettle on and then I'll answer your question because I want to listen to you properly. You've heard the question. You just want to give yourself time to think. Even, even just saying something like, sorry, what yeah. did you say? Say that again. Again, that's giving you time to think. So you can pause and you can respond instead of just going, no, I've told you I'm really busy tomorrow. Just having a little pause so that you can respond makes a big difference. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I've, no I've been practicing pausing and letting the situation kind of marinate, I guess, <laughs> before reacting and then speaking on it. And it, it makes a world Four. of difference. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely does. I think the final thing that's really good in terms of communicating in a really healthy way is being aware of our own attitudes and our own beliefs, because they impact mm -hmm. massively mm -hmm. on how we show up. You, get, you do kind of get what you focus on. And if what you're focusing on is negatives, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see it real quick. Checking in, where are you? Mm -hmm. Even before you open your mouth, where am I? Am I in a good place? Do I need to do something about me first? Because if if you're not, chances are the reaction you get isn't necessarily to do with the other person. Maybe you weren't in the right place to start with. Does that make sense? Makes sense. So are there any questions we need to ask ourselves in order to start changing the way we communicate? Absolutely. Questions are brilliant. I mean, questioning yourself is a really, really good way to sort of challenge yourself, raise your awareness. You know, it's a really good thing to do. Going back to what I was just saying about how you show up, that's a good question. How am I showing up here? What is the other person seeing? Mm -hmm. What are they hearing? Mm -hmm. Especially when you think about kids, because if you're talking about younger kids, 
they're often smaller than we are, even if we're not a very tall adult, or even if it's an older child and they're sitting down and we're standing yeah. up, you know, it's like, hang on, how would I feel if I was mm-hmm. down here and somebody mm-hmm. was up there and they were approaching me in the way I'm doing it? How does that look? How does that make me feel? So how am I, sh- you know, how am I showing up? How am I coming yeah. across is a really good question. And also, what do you want to achieve even before you open your mouth? What do you want to achieve by saying what you're saying? Is it to sort mm-hmm. something out? Is it because you're irritated mm-hmm. and you kind of want to feel better? And Yeah, exactly. What's the end goal? Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about playing for the end game. All about, I'm a big one on playing for the end game. Another thing to think about is, do you know what's going on? It's re- again, it's that assumption. It's really easy to jump in. And the amount of time you can save yourself just by thinking, right, do I know what's going on? And then the first thing out of your mouth can be, okay, what's happened? Mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of you know why have you done that that's that can make a real a real difference yeah. and also yeah. thinking about you know think about the wider context as well what was the last thing that happened between you and the person you're talking to and that could be your child it could be your boss could be your partner doesn't matter if the last thing that happened was maybe an argument or you know just something that wasn't brilliant positive what impact is that going to have on what you're going to say so kind of think about it in that wider context mm-hmm. yeah and i think the The only other thing that I think is really interesting is thinking about your communication preferences. And I use something called uh, DISC, the personality profiling tool. It's a corporate thing, but it's really, really useful for families as well and family Mm -hmm. dynamics. And you've got four sort of main communication styles. Two are quite fast paced, two are sort of slower paced, two are very task orientated, two are quite people orientated. So if you've got an insight into what kind of style you prefer as a parent, it can be really useful in terms of thinking about what impact that has on your kids. Yeah, definitely. So before this uh, interview, I actually did go and take that DISC test. And that's how I found out that I'm mostly dominant, 48% dominant, and then 22% compliance, which is really interesting because it makes sense into how I communicate when I think about it and what I work on the most. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's a real insight because if you're quite sort of of D preference, then you're probably quite competitive as well. And you like, you know, to do things, get it sorted, get done, get the results, that kind of thing. And that's really great for kids to see because they get that modeling of kind of what it's like to be focused on a task and get those results and really want things to move on. But sometimes that as well comes with wanting things my way, maybe not being as tolerant, you know, maybe sort of sometimes Mm -hmm. snapping a bit and then thinking, oh, God, I wish I hadn't done that. That kind of thing sometimes comes with that. So it's interesting just to know Mm -hmm. how that and if you've got a child that is also a fast paced child, like a D child or an I child, that's great. But if you've got a slower child, my two main styles are C and S and they're both introverted and slower paced. So as a child, I like, I'm Mm -hmm. still as an adult, I like to do things at my own pace. So as a D parent, you can see how you'd be like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, just get on with it. And the child's kind of thinking, okay, yeah. um, just need a bit of time here. And nobody's right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but understanding the difference just makes it a bit easier for everybody. Yeah. Uh, preferences. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. So we know kind of how to communicate. We know what we can be doing wrong. What we, what healthy communication looks like and the questions we should ask ourselves to help ourselves improve communication. So real life situation. 
Say I'm having a hard time getting my child to eat their vegetables. I'm exhausted from practically having to yell at them, but I know there's a better way. Where do I start? That's a really great question. Yeah, where do you start is exactly the point because what's the earliest point you can start? Do you start thinking about it when you're making the meal? Do you start thinking about it when you put the plate on the table? Or can you start thinking about it a lot earlier? How about when you're preparing the meal? Can you involve them in, you know, preparing the meal, choosing what veg is going in there maybe? Can you start earlier? Can you think about, well, what do we do when we go shopping? Can you start earlier than that? Is there something around maybe even Mm -hmm. getting to help grow the veg as well? So that's one thing to think about. Another thing, because my daughter was like this from being about three to being about five, refused to eat any vegetables at all, apart from sweet corn. She would eat sweet corn, but that was it. Nothing else. Nothing would pass those lips that was in any way, shape or form like a vegetable. It wasn't going to happen. And I tried the shouting and carrying on. That didn't make a difference. But so my second question is, or my second thing to think about is, and it might sound a bit of a strange question because I know this is, you know, your sort of health guru and all that, but how important is this? And I don't mean ignore the fact that they're eating it, not eating the veg, but look at what they are doing. So my daughter wouldn't eat any veg, but she would eat fruit and she would eat tomatoes and she would eat cucumber and she would eat peppers. So because I knew she was getting kind of nutrients from that, I didn't make a big deal of the vegetables. I just kept maybe putting a few on the plate. And if she left them, she left them. If she ate them, I didn't say anything. We just saw how it went. And after about 18 months, two years, she ate vegetables again. Mm -hmm. If they're eating other things, is it worth making a big deal over? You know, for some people that say, well, absolutely it is. For some, it's like, well, actually, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So it's just working out again, sort of where you are. You know your kids better than anybody. So what works for them? For some kids, giving them a choice, it could be as simple as that will make a big difference. For some, it might be that they eat better when they're with people. They don't eat very well on their own. So what what's worked before? What works with your child? And also, what haven't you tried? Mm-hmm. It might be that, you know, even things that you might not consider, like you've just said, everybody's different. So what you think, oh, well, it's no point doing that. It won't work. It might, you know, give it a go. And thinking about your body language as well. If you come in and you're sort of saying, right, I've got your tea. It's ready, it's on the table, and you've got your hands on your hips or all this kind of thing. Is that congruent with what the message that you want to send? So it's trying to get everything in a package. Right, right. I was going to say when we're kids, um, my one of my sisters wouldn't, um, she wouldn't eat veg either. And what my parents did, well, my dad, was he started growing things in the garden. And we used to think we were so clever because we used to steal the peas and we used to steal the beans. <laughs> nothing, nothing clever about it. What was happening? You know, they wanted us to eat veg we were eating veg we weren't eating it cooked on a plate and we thought we were so clever as we were being so naughty so you know it's another thing how can you use a bit of kidology in there yeah yeah I like that kidology that is very (laughs) it's a good one I use it a lot we did the same thing as well in our house we started a vegetable garden and then it seemed because my son, he he was able to have his say on what to grow and where to put it. And he would help grow it that he became a little bit more willing to try it, to take it. You know, he got excited when it was time. He's like, oh, it's time to to pick. We got to go to the garden. We got to harvest the vegetables, you know. So it, it, it was about, in a way, doing that, using that kidology and getting them excited and, and getting him wanting to do it and wanting to eat it yeah that's it yeah great job okay so now 
sometimes when sometimes we feel like we're going through everything and we get caught up and we feel alone in our struggles is it common for people to encounter communication blocks oh god all the time all the time every minute of every day um i think a lot of the times again going back to that bad communication being scared of a reaction maybe we don't want to let on we don't want to say and especially when you think of parenting i mean it's probably the biggest emotional investment that you ever make nobody wants to be a bad parent nobody wants to be the one that says oh i'm struggling mm-hmm. um and it mm-hmm. can be really difficult and especially i think with the advent of social media you know you you look online and you're comparing your backstage to everybody else's highlight reel it's not real life what's on there you know this as an example one of the families next door to me which are you know lovely family but they've got i think four kids and during lockdown when it was really tight here it's really difficult you've got parents at home trying to work you've got kids at home supposed to be schooling you know it's just really really hard and tensions were obviously getting quite high you could tell by the sort of amount mm-hmm. of noise and you know i don't want to do that and all that kind of stuff that was coming out which you know like I say perfectly normal for so many families but on facebook all you saw was another bit of homework done so anybody looking was feeling really comparing themselves unfairly against what they thought they were seeing do you know what i mean mhm mhm and i think that that's a difficulty as well the, that comparison everybody else can do it i can't do it and i think if you can just find somebody that you trust that you can talk to and talk honestly and say do you know what this has happened they won't do the homework i'm really struggling i just feel like i'm a bad parent or i just feel like i'm doing it all wrong 9 times out of 10 that person is going to turn around and say oh thank god you said that i feel exactly the same i thought it was just me it's not just you <laughs> so trying to have a conversation yeah. about feeling you know how you feeling can sometimes not only help you but maybe just helps that other person too that felt alone yeah and it also keeps you grounded in a way that sometimes when we look at other people's highlight reels we end up just always comparing and like you said oh we feel like they have the perfect life and they have everything together and it can create fe- it can one create envy and then two make us feel like Oh, we're just not as good. We'll never be as good as that person. And when you finally decide that Yeah. It's exactly right the point you're making about, you know, comparing and thinking, "Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, it's it's me. I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as them." And that's where you're looking about the communication that you have with yourself, which is a whole different thing again, which we won't get into, but you know, that's to be mindful of that. What are you telling yourself? Is it helpful? Mhm. Absolutely right. sometimes whatever's in our head like you said the onion's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and we have it all bottled up and it's all in our head and we just have to find out a way to find somebody we trust to talk to find out a healthy way to get it out before it just turns into word vomit and it turns into a bigger mess sure sure so from personal experience we know that mistakes are unavoidable it happens what advice would you give someone when their old ways of communication kind of start to creep back in Well the first thing I'd say is give yourself a break don't beat yourself up about it you know the only reason that I know stuff about communication because I've made so many mistakes it's unbelievable 
We all do it. It's just called being human. So I think the thing is, notice what's creeping back. Mm -hmm. Make a mental note of it, jot it down somewhere, stick it in your phone, do something with it. And then later, come back to it and think, what's actually going on here? What purpose is this serving? Because when we're trying to change something, that can be a difficult and uncomfortable process. And the things that we are familiar with give us a sense of security, but we might not need that anymore. We could be hanging on to something that we don't need. Mm -hmm. So unpick it, think about it. What is it? What's the purpose it's serving? What's going on here? That's the first thing. And I think the second thing, remind yourself why. Why are you making this change? And I don't just mean because you're fed up of being ignored. I mean, like on a deeper level, why? Why is it important to you that you want to do this? So remind yourself of that and get really kind of grounded in that. And then just reconnect, start again. You know, a bit like when I said with my daughter earlier on, you know, gone all wrong with the school play thing. So I went and I said, look, can we just rewind that and let's give it another go? Mm-hmm. So I think that if you can do that, you go a long way to getting where you want to be. Yeah, I've been surprised many times by this. And if you just tell kids, honestly, OK, I think I made a mistake there. Can we kind of go back and, and rethink about that, retalk about that? They'll just be willing to do it. I mean, they're like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess... The thing with kids is as well that, you know, they watch it all the time. Yeah, they watch us all the time. So I think maybe a good way to do this would be to write down our communication habits, our old communication habits. You know, we think about them, we kind of write them down. So we really understand what they are. And then from there, we know what we want to change. And then, like you said, we write down why we want to change it. Because when we really do know why on a, on a deeper level, it, it starts to, to hit us in our, our heart. And that's when we start to see real change. That way, when we make a mistake, if we have all of this written down, we can kind of say, okay, I'm going to refer to this sheet of paper and it's going to help me to reconnect to who I want to be, who I'm aiming to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What can, after this podcast, what can listeners do to start communicating just a little bit better? Okay, so I think the main thing is um, what somebody told me years ago, and I remembered it, is engage your brain before you open your And I think good ways to do that are practice listening that's a massive it's just so so important so no judgment no assumptions genuine real listening you don't have to give an opinion you know however much you think you know especially with kids they don't always want an opinion sometimes they just want to sound off and that's all that's all it is and you can find out that by doing the second thing which is ask check it out You know, even if they come home from school and they're really upset because they've fallen out with a friend or whatever, you know, maybe instead of giving that opinion or you will ignore them or whatever it is you want to say, maybe say, well, do you want me to help you with this? Or and they might say, no, that's okay." You know, check in with yourself as well. Like I said earlier, check in with yourself. What are you telling yourself? Is there something that's going on for you that's going to influence this communication that actually isn't about your child at all? What's going on? Are you in a good place? Do you need five minutes? Do you need to say, right, I really want to listen to you, but can I just do whatever before? Because I want to be able to give you my real attention and I've just got something on my mind I need to sort right now. Whatever it is, check in with yourself and pick your battles. Is this important right now? Is it going to be important in a week? And sometimes even, especially when you've got sort of family pressures, is it your battle? Is it a battle that you really want to pick or are you doing it because you think you should? That's another thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And a huge one, mm-hmm. a huge one is say what you mean and mean what you say. 
making promises you can't keep yeah. can be really difficult. If you say what you mean, then everybody knows where they stand. And it might not be comfortable always, mm-hmm. but it's helpful. And if you mean what you say, then not just your kids, but you know, everybody come to know that you're somebody that can be trusted, that can rely on you. Your kids especially feel secure. Even if you're saying, no, we're not going to the park today. They know that that's very clear. That's what's going to happen. So that's a biggie. Consistency. Yes. Yes. Consistency with kids. Yes. (laughs) So if we just start to work on one communication tip at a time and we kind of hammer it down and, you know, get it to the best that we can get it. And then we start branching out from there. I mean, we'll be in great shape. (laughs) We'll be in better shape than when we started, definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) So I heard you have something to share. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I've got a couple of programs that I'm developing, which are all about communication. So the first one is the ABC of communication, and that's looking at attitudes. So again, it's like I was saying about how we show up and the beliefs we hold shape our attitudes, and that determines how we come across. So we look at how beliefs are formed, how that emotional element kind of gets attached and how if we think about them often enough, we start recognising them as beliefs and we actually think they're real. We create them as facts in our head. And then, of course, we kind of go looking for evidence to Mm -hmm. support them, which makes them even stronger. We look at boundaries. Boundaries are important because, again, it enables us to have that honest communication with people. And it's really important for kids as well. If kids see that we have our boundaries, then they're more confident in asserting theirs. So especially as they get that bit older and they've got that peer pressure thing, that can be really important for helping develop their self-esteem. That can be linked Mm. to sort of your personal values and knowing who you are as a person. And then again, we've got good old consistency coming back in there, which can be really difficult for some people some mm-hmm. communication preferences find mm-hmm. that a little bit harder but if you're linking that to your values and you're linking that to your beliefs again that can make it easier so that's that's kind of my abc program mm-hmm. and the other one is specifically for parents and it's called talking tactics so what we look at there is obviously what it is you want to change but importantly as well why and get into that real why you want to make the difference you do We look at attention. So where do you focus your attention? And are you actually listening? Or is your attention more focused on what you think and what's going on in your head? We look at the four Mm -hmm. DISC parenting Mm -hmm. styles, how they can have an impact. So how that can impact with your partner, how that can impact on your children. So like yourself as a D parent, if you've got a child that has a D communication preference and you've got one that maybe is... um, has more of a C or an S kind of style preference. You might have one that goes along with you and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great. And then you've got the other child kind of going, no, it's just all too much. What's going on? So we kind of look at that a bit. <laughs> and then we also look at some specific strategies that you can use when you're talking. So very often I'll hear parents talking about the fact that when they say please and they're asking their children to do things, they end up begging them and pleading them and it just doesn't seem to be working and so looking at how that what you can do in terms of phrasing what you say and there's another few little sort of techniques in there as well we talk about 
what I call the focus listening method. So feelings check, where are you at? Observe, look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. Control your body language. You know, you're not kind of standing there with your arms crossed saying, right, well, come on, you wanted to talk to me. And then wondering why nothing's happening. And use the name. That's a, it's so simple. That's so simple. You know, use the name. Yeah, in terms of body language, get down on the level. Just as another little tip, get down to their level. And we also look at consistency. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Linking it back to why you want to do something so that it really helps you maintain that momentum. So those are the two things that I'm working on at the moment, which I'm really mm-hmm. excited about. Yeah, it sounds so good. It's really about being proactive instead of reactive, starting with ourselves, you know. I mean, I statements is a great way to start with ourselves. But as you just said, it goes way beyond just I statements. And when it comes to something as important as communication, because it affects every aspect of our lives. I mean, when you can really get your communication down, it opens the doors to the possibilities within your family, maybe in your even in your professional career. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's limitless, limitless possibilities. Okay, so what's the best place for people to find you? Okay, so you can find me on my website, which is www.beyondthepondcoaching.com. You can email me, so you can email Rachel, and that's at beyondthepondcoaching at gmail.com. And I've got a Beyond the Pond Facebook page, and also my Facebook group is Purposeful Parenting. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been struggling with communication with your child, your children, (laughs) your spouse, even in your workplace, as you heard, Rachel is your go-to woman. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She knows how to break down all the communication barriers and help you build them back up. So make sure you visit her website, you contact her, and you can even join her Facebook group. I will be sure to link everything in the show notes so you can access it easily. Now, one last question. When I say the word healthy, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, that's a good question. That's like a feeling for me. So it's like a warm, sort of sunny feeling. And I guess kind of um, mentally a kind of warm feeling as well. So it's that kind of positivity feeling where everything feels in alignment I'm feeling good about myself. And I guess that means I'm making good choices. Yes, that's a that's a really, I like how you said that. You gave me a description, like you said, warm and aligned, making the right choices. That's huge in being healthy. So thank you so, so much for coming on today. I hope you have a great day and I really appreciate it. It's been my absolute pleasure, Shiloh. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've been loving the Easy Keto podcast, be sure to leave a review. It really helps me to get the word out. To find out more about this episode, please visit easyketomenus.com or come say hi to me at Easy Keto Menus. I'm on all your favorite social platforms. Remember, when you move with pace and purpose, you'll be able to achieve your dream goals. Until next week, have an empowering day.